Welcome to the Mission Guys podcast, where we talk about anything related to leading transformation in the church. I'm Nick Jorgensen. And I'm Rick Pop, and we are missionaries at Acts 29. And as always, it's our hope that we can help you as church leaders, as leadership teams, as leaders of families, and leadership practitioners to more effectively mobilize the church to achieve its mission. In this episode, we are talking about the importance of wasting time with each other. We'd say the best leaders, including families and uh, work teams, are great at wasting time. More on that here in a moment. So, Rick, first, let's pray, bro. Yeah, I'd love to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we first thank you for all of the gifts you've given us. We especially thank you today for the gift of time, the gift of life, the gift of having each other as friends, as work partners, as people on mission. We even thank you for the challenges you've given us, the mutual challenges that give us that need to be together, the need for community. Lord Jesus, you taught us how to lead. You taught us how to pray, taught us how to heal, how to love, even when others may not be loving us back, even when there's so much work to do. Holy Spirit, we ask that you especially give us today the wisdom, the grace, the courage to be able to see and understand our mission, to see and understand our need for each other, our love for each other, and that our mission is not only in what we do, but how we do it. Help us, Holy Spirit, to evangelize in how we work. And we ask this in Jesus' beautiful, glorious name. Amen. Amen. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, we've just come off a run here that's been really busy. That's a, just a busy time of year. Holidays, travel, work, extra work, um, planning. I mean, there's so much going on. It's just a big time of year for disruption. And uh, people, starting with ourselves, we've noticed, have gotten increasingly functional and transactional in the way they engage with each other, the way they, they, they live in their normal relationships. And it's, it's us personally, and it's teams we're working with, it's leaders we're working with, We've just really observed this, this call really from the Lord and the Holy Spirit in our own hearts to, to look at ourselves and the relationships we're in and say, where am I being transactional and functional and all those neg truly negative impacts from those kinds of behaviors? Um, and, the, and, this, and this beckons us to the title of this podcast, What a Waste of Time, because time is so precious. It's the one thing none of us want to waste, even though I know we all do in a negative way. The, the, the truth is the only people in your life you would ever want to waste time with are the people you love and the people who are entrusted to your care uniquely. That's what we're going to talk about, just this whole idea of the, the, the problem of becoming functional, the problem of becoming transactional, and how we can avoid it. And it actually, Nick, it actually um, seems like a waste of time to find time to spend with each other. That's the thing that suffers. And so it seems like a waste of time. Oh, we're going to get together again. I don't have time to do that. I got so much to do. There was a log jam now. I've come back, whether it's from holiday or vacation or um, illness or, or some other event. And now I just have time to get together. So that suffers. And that's really what we want to press into that, that quote, waste of time. Yeah. And Rick, in fact, the, that just reminded me like kind of the trigger that, caught this for us and the Lord started to use was you and I 
we run together all the time. We spend a, 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 a ton of time working together because that's that's what we do. The Mission Guys podcast and mission guiding work. And all of this work we do together was born in friendship. It was born in this this mission we both feel called to and the, and the time we spend together as brothers in the Lord. And over the last bit of time, we've lost some of that personal connection. We started to get transactional and functional and you forget kind of the deeper, the deeper mission here, the thing that matters the most, and that's our friendship, uh, even above the work, right? So the other, as we were talking about this episode, the other thing that was so striking was my own, for me anyway, my own personal life. So my wife, Emily, and I, if you remember, we had we have our fourth kid and uh, Samuel. And over the last two, maybe three months for sure, we've had so much going on between the holidays, the birth of a new child, travel for, for mission, uh, and everything that just comes along with, with life and the beginning of a, of a new year. And so we had gotten to this point where we were having so many functional conversations, transactional conversations with each other, that we were just getting into this, we didn't even know why at first, we just getting into this place of frustration, step on each other's toes really easy, um, you know, the, the temptations to, to being resentful, um, wondering, you know, questioning motives or thoughts in the other person, just all the stuff that comes from losing sight of like, oh my gosh, we're best friends and, 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 and husband and wife. And of course these things happen in life, but the result of this becoming very transactional, very functional was we, we were supposed to go home for Christmas between uh, Christmas and New Year's. And it just hit this point where it was like, we cannot go home. Every year we usually go home between Christmas and New Year's for a week, visit families, her side of the family, my side of the family. And it was like, we can't go. We have got to stop the madness. And it's painful. That's a, that, that costs something to the people who we love, who are hoping we'd be there, expecting us to be there. And it costs something to us in terms of being able to be with them. But the reality is the choice to, and I'll talk about this more as we go through this episode, this, the, the, the choice to not go allowed us to get out of the functional, transactional way we were living and to spend time getting deep in the conversations that are the most important. How are you? What's the Lord saying to you? What does 2023 look like? What's really going on in your heart and my heart? Um, and what does God want for our family? Because none, the kids are suffering, we're suffering, and no one's happy. And this is the time of year we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And so none of this is working right. And at the same time, Nick, you're going through that. Uh, Sue and I having our own similar experience, you know, the holiday period, again, the travel that we've been doing, we're remodeling our home. Uh, we, we move this time of year. We moved down to Asheville, North Carolina for several months where our parents are getting older. Our sons are in their own lives and there's just stuff and stuff and more stuff. And it was the same kind of thing, even though we're together a lot. You know, I, I primarily work from home and I'm not traveling. We're together a lot. When we were together, it's all about the stuff. It's all about what's next, next on the list, what all has to happen before we move, before people come and visit for the holiday. And it became very, very, as we're saying, functional and transactional. So for our listeners out there, let, let's define a little bit what we mean by functional or transactional, if it's not obvious already. It's just that overemphasis on one dimension of your relationship. Certainly, my wife and I are parents, and we're a son and a daughter of our parents, and and we're friends, and we've got things that we've got to do. Absolutely, there's stuff to do. And yet the other part of it, that relational part of it, that community, 
that love for each other, that spending time together and just checking in with each other on how it's going. You know, that's beyond functional and transactional. You know, if you think about the IRS, the IRS, you have a relationship with the IRS. We have to pay our taxes. It's okay to have a transactional relationship with the IRS. You're not going to get a Christmas card from the IRS and you're not going to send a Christmas card for the IRS. And that's okay because that's not one of those relationships that you have to invest time in and cultivate and be together physically. Now, if you're getting audited, all of a sudden you might say, hey, how you doing? How's your family? You know, you might become very friendly, but you've got an ulterior motive on that one, perhaps. But, (laughs) you know, we use the biblical story that is the classic, which I think is so simple and how Jesus taught us about this topic was Martha and Mary. You know, when when he said Mary has chosen the better part, when Martha was running around doing all this stuff and saying, Lord, uh, can't you tell Mary to come work here because I've got a lot to do. And it's not that the Lord said none of that stuff matters. He recognized there are multiple parts, but that Mary recognized that taking the time to listen to the Lord, taking the time to build relationship with the Lord and with each other is, in fact, the better part. Now, if you're in a secular world that you really don't care, and I'm not saying the secular world doesn't care. Believe me, there are many, 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 many good people in the secular world, great leaders. But what I'm saying is that sometimes we can focus so much on, let's say it's profit or corporate reputation or the stuff right, that has to get done, that the relationships really don't matter as much. But you as church leaders, you know, you as leaders in schools, in, in, in uh, faith-based schools, Catholic schools, and otherwise, you know, that part of the mission is the better part. So all that stuff certainly maybe has to be done, but it's not more important as the better part. Rick, as you were sharing that, I, I was reflecting on, uh, especially the part of our Lord, you know, you just mentioned secular companies and going for profit and, you know, doing all this stuff to try and, you know, manage the brand or build the brand and, you know, increase financial cash flows, which, hey, those are important things to be sure. But in, in society, from God's perspective, it's not about making more money. Sure, the Lord wants you to provide well, but it's about the people in front of you. So yes, the church should model this at the highest level. We should, in theory, see the, the best relationships, the best modeling and integration of all these things we're talking about in the church, in pastors, in their teams, and in, in, in the laity, right? And their families. But that should absolutely permeate everybody who's living in society. People should be showing up in for-profit organizations and, and experiencing being loved and the authenticity. That, that's, that's how the Lord wants it. So it just, it just struck me really deeply there. Like, wow, like imagine that world where we are de-emphasizing functions and profits and um, transactions and emphasizing uh, just being present. So that thanks, thanks for sharing that. I think too, Nick. The, we and we learn sometimes, and probably most of the time, we learn our leadership through our job. That most of the time is not in the church. Mm. You know, most people aren't working in ministry. Uh, thank God we are able to now, and you've done it basically your whole career. I mean, almost. And um, but most people learn, and so the behaviors we pick up are mostly they're not in 
a, a mission driven, and when I say mission with capital M, you know, the Lord's mission driven. And so we learn these behaviors, we mimic the behaviors that we've learned from other leaders. And so often then we bring it into the church and it, you can't tell the difference. It's just like marriage. You know, we, we learn how marriage should be outside of the church. And then Catholic marriages don't look any better than, than marriages out, uh, you know, outside of the church. And so this, this leadership of recognizing that, to your point, we should be the role models because it's natural. We should recognize that there's never a time that it's only transactional. Now, some might get offended by this or at least take step, step back a little bit and say, wait a minute, aren't there times where it's truly just transactional and functional? And I would argue never is mm -hmm. it. We evangelize always. Mm -hmm. We always evangelize with how we lead, how we interact. So let's just say you're in a team and we're swamped. And it's one of these where we've got fires, we've got this, we've got that. And they're legitimate issues. This isn't saying they minimize the issues. But even as if you're a leader and you're triaging, let's say you're in your weekly tactical meeting and you're triaging a bunch of hot items, even the way in which you triage, you're not grumpy, you're not agitated, you're not dismissive, you're not sarcastic. No, you're saying, okay, we've got this one. Uh, Nick, you got that? You're good. Yeah. Albert, you okay with that? Hey, Mary, we got, okay, what are the issues? All right, let's go. Lord, And pray, right? You take that time. And I know you're going to help us understand what creating margin is. But it's not like, oh, and then we'll find time to pray. You recognize that that's when you need it the most. It's like, here we go. We've got all these things and they're all hot. The only way we're going to handle all this stuff, the only way we're going to understand what we should do is through prayer. So we don't like find time to pray. We recognize we better pray. So there's this concept of uh, creating margin that we want to just talk about here for a second because it's it's so important to think about, and I'll just use my own example here from a moment ago. How do we find the time? Really, it's not finding time. It's make the time necessary for relationships to flourish. And and so there's this concept of creating margin, and, and it's and you picture a white piece of paper right now, like you know your, your college ruled notebook from from high school or college, and there it is. And there's a three hole punch on the side. And there's all this space on the side of the paper, at the top of the paper. That would be called the margins, right? Everybody knows this. Or, um, so the margin allows for extra space to, if you wanted to, take extra notes. You could actually use that space, but most people don't, to take more notes. The whole So that, that concept of margin is in your calendar, in your life. And we're talking about the integrated life. We're not talking about my work life or my home life or this life or that. All of your life. The question is, is there margin that allows for that um, the the flourishing of relationship. It, to, the 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 margin allows for interruptions that aren't interruptions; they're welcome. Here, let's take a biblical example. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, <laughs> the Son of God who is sent to save all of humanity, and he could be as busy as he wanted to be. He, there, no one in the world could say they were busier or had more to do than Jesus Christ. And yet the Lord would be on a mission to go from one town to the next or from point A to point B. And he would joyfully embrace the moment where he meets Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down from that tree. I'm going to dine with you tonight. Like that wasn't on the itinerary, you know, but the Lord had the margin, if you will. He had the presence of self to go. This is the new priority. This is important right now. I'm going to, I'm going to, I see this man and I'm going to minister to him. I'm going to love him back into relationship with me, with the father. 
He did this all the time. I mean, how many meals would he spend with his friends? But how much time did he spend with the apostles? He could, you could, one could argue that Jesus should be the most frazzled, scattered human in the world. And yet he would say, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go rest for a while. I'm going to go spend time with the Father right now. And so the Lord protected with those healthy boundaries, all those relationships, all those places he needed to be. And yet he knew he wouldn't, in his human form, be able to visit every single soul on earth. And so if the Lord wasn't stressed and frayed out, and he was able to have margin, we just need to hold that up in front of ourselves and say, if the Son of God could find margin and allow himself these healthy interruptions to build relationships, to be present to the people he needed to be present to, then so too can we. Now, let me just bring this home. So Emily and I use this example, right? We are we were stressed out, frazzled, frustrated, all the mess that brings, right? At each other's at each other's neck once in a while. And the reason fundamentally is we didn't have margin. There's a lot of reasons, but we just didn't have any margin. Every conversation was designed, planned to the point where it was like we weren't even being human. You know, the silly moments can't happen anymore. Humor is a big part part of our family. So the, the, the margin between Christmas and New Year's to take a week and say, we're just going to be a family and have these deeper conversations and be, be in friendship. That's the margin we had to have. So now that the lesson isn't like, okay, once a year we have margin. The lesson is, okay, let's get back on track. For example, this weekend, right in front of me, there's nothing on the calendar. I said to my wife last night, I said, Emily, the weekend in front of us is free. It's a three-day weekend. How do we want to spend our time? Do you want to invite some people over? And she's like, no, <laughs> we need to keep it free. She didn't use the word margin there, but she's like, we need to keep it free so we can just be us. And that's the margin. It's like, I see a gap of time. I can fill it with something to do. No, sometimes we need to say, I need nothing to do there because God has something different for me that I don't know about yet. No, I love I love your, your personal story. I got a personal story now that you're reminding me of. Nick, as you know, part of our routine now, this season of our lives, Sue and I, we, we moved down. We're, we're getting soft, so I can't handle the Upper Peninsula weather anymore in the January, February, March, April timeframe. So we come down to Asheville, North Carolina, and it's a different lifestyle here for us. As I mentioned, remodeling the home up north, parents, there's just so much stuff going on that we've got going on by our own choice. So, you know, we, we, cre- we create the world we're living in in many, in many respects. But we moved to Asheville here. There's no home projects. Um, there are less people around that we even know. Uh, we focus more on hiking and nature. And of course, work continues and we travel. But you were laughing at me the other day. It's like the first day I got here, I actually took a nap. So <laughs> it was the last time people out there on the, uh, listening to this have taken a nap. Um, so, But it's part of a strategy. We know, and, and even that, that hustle bustle at the end of the year, we recognize, hey, this, when we move, there is a bit of a rest, uh, a different pace that we go through. And going back to your biblical example, I'm sure we, you know, we think about, well, it was Jesus. You know, Jesus was God. You know, yes, he was man, but he was God. So I'm not going to compare myself to Jesus. But he did it for a reason. You know, he did that for a reason. You know, when he was talking to 5,000 people, you know, most of us would recognize, wow, that's leverage. Now you're really getting the word out. You know, he could have um, written a whole bunch of things and sent a billion people out sending all those writings everywhere. He chose to take time with the woman at the well, one-on-one, when there's millions of people out there that could use his help. When he was walking to basically uh, heal, well, to bring the young girl back to life, when he was walking there and he felt someone touch his cloak, he paused and then he spent time with the woman who had the bleeding for nine years. 
you know, he, he would stop and take that time. So yes, he was God. Yes, we aren't ever going to be like him. However, he did it for a reason. He was teaching us, take the time. So this building margin, as you talked about, that margin allows for spontaneity. That margin allows for, oh, wait a minute, I never thought of it that way. Let me take some time. You have to have the margin. This isn't a, oh, yeah, you can say that. I wish I could have it. No, no, you have to have the margin. If you don't have the margin, you won't have room for the other. You won't have room to hear the Lord. So we all need it. We need it. We've we've suffered because of it. And we're trying to do our best and in, in, in hopefully inspiring others to say, first of all, yeah, it is possible. And now for you as a team, as you go and you're leading your team, we're going to get more specific now. You see, you may see each other all the time as a leader. You may be with your team a lot, but you could be still transactional and functional in all that you do. Mm. We really recommend you get back to, if you're not on your cadence of meetings, you get back onto meetings to have lunches together. I know when I worked in uh, Ford of Mexico, uh, the, the, one of the greatest uh, um, norms that we did is we'd have lunch every day in the cafeteria together, the, my, my HR leadership team. And every day in the morning with the cross-functional management team, we'd have coffee. There was a Starbucks in the first floor of our building. And we would every single morning, informal, not scheduled, anybody was in the office, we'd get together, go downstairs, have our coffee. Those two things built relationships that I would have never otherwise had. I learned how to speak Spanish. I would have not, you know, you can only go so far in lessons. And uh, it just made my whole experience there tremendous, uh, both from a leadership and a growth perspective. This this reminds me of just the other day we were talking to a uh, a priest. You know, you could, in the secular world you call him a client, but someone we're partnered with and uh, working with, and a great man, great man. We got on this call, uh, and and we said, "Hey, how how are you doing, Father?" And for the first twenty minutes, he said, "Hey, I'm doing really good. Life's good." And he starts talking about some things that are going on, and then we the conversation continued. You know, he's getting into other issues and whatnot. For about 20 minutes of talking, we went back to this question. Father, like, how are you really doing? And then all of a sudden it came out. Like the real stuff came out. It was, hey, I do have some things going on. I have some health issues in my family. You know, I have some challenges I'm dealing with internally with my team. I'm, I, have, I, have some, I, have some, I have some difficulty in my own heart, you know. Here's some things I'm going through. So without sharing his stuff, it's like we all have it. We all have those things. And that was the real human element coming out of him. That's the real depth. That's the real relationship. And so even, even so what's, what's the point of this example? The point is when we don't, when we're so used to being transactional, being functional, not really sharing, we can get in the mode, whether it's one day or for a week or for, please God, it's not a very long period of time. Just telling people, hey, we're good. I'm doing fine. But what's really going on interiorly is much deeper. And so in friendship, in relationship, it's having that the presence of self to say, "How are you really doing?" And I'm gonna, and we're going to create time in this this time we have to actually answer that question, so we can actually go deeper in our relationship to love each other, to be there for each other. And the, and the, and the reason for doing so brings us to this call, another call we had with another leader in the church. And when this call went differently, right? We asked how you were doing right out of the gate after we you know did our normal pleasantries. And they just opened up and started sharing immediately. Now, you could argue this call was for other reasons. But in this 15 minutes of sharing how they're doing, how life's going, the challenges they're facing, it allowed 
Breaking out, I just sit there and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying right now? What are you doing in this, in this conversation? And the Lord provided deep spiritual insight for this leader to be able to find a new way of seeing what they were going through. And through that conversation, a burden got lifted for them. Now, that wasn't on the schedule. That wasn't on the topic for the call to like have that kind of conversation. But that's that authentic, there's margin in this call even. In this hour we have, there's margin for us to have real relationship. And it change, it changes the whole, the whole feel of um, uh, what we're about when we gather together and how we're going to interact. And that, that gives permission, not only now for Rick and I in the relationship with these clients, if you will, these, 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 these leaders, but it also gives them permission to do that with their team. So you just never know the that kind of multi-level impact. Let me show you how we can have a conversation so that you can go have that conversation the same way with others. Nick, let me share one more example of my favorite leader in the secular world. And his name is Alan Mulally. And many people out there have heard of Alan, one of the greatest leaders. So he became the CEO of Ford Motor Company when Ford was, was basically going bankrupt where the whole industry was going. GM did go bankrupt, Chrysler went bankrupt. We were scheduled to lose that year $14 billion and we did. And it was the, probably the worst uh, time, one of the worst, probably the worst time in, in Ford history. But anyway, the meeting that I'm referring to and the way he led was incredible. He taught me that this margin is not only a theory, but being able to find the time always to cultivate relationships, the importance of taking the time you need for relationships in teamwork, the primacy of, of working together, even be above what you're doing, because it'll only enable you to do what you should be doing. So I'm at this meeting, uh, the guy I was replacing, his name was Lee, was retiring after 30 plus years. Lee was presenting, I was co-presenting, I was pretty green on the topic. And so as we're presenting, Alan looked at him and said, so Lee, th this is it, this is your last meeting? He said, yep. I'm retiring. And he said, well, congratulations. And he said, well, when's the party? And Lee said, well, it's tonight. We're just getting together at, at the local bar down here in Dearborn, Michigan. And he said, well, what time are you doing it? And he said, oh, about 6, 6.30, people getting together. I'll be there. And I was thinking to myself, what? This guy is probably the busiest guy I've ever known. We're in a, a catastrophe situation. And, he, and sure enough, he showed up. People were blown away. It's like, there's the CEO. He, you know, he was enjoying the time, spent some time, talked to people, and, and then left. And as I watched him operate, I have story after story after story where he always took time for relationships. He never came off sarcastic. I'm sure he had his issues. I And I saw him enough, and I heard enough about people who work closely with him, that it wasn't only when he was in front of people. That's the way he operated. No, he wasn't perfect. I know that. And yet he found the way to have the margin, to build a margin. He found time to golf. He wasn't really a good golfer. Um, and so it wasn't like, oh yeah, he's making millions of dollars so he could do that stuff. He turned the company around. He was a leader. He got people inspired for the mission. People would do things for him that they wouldn't do for any other leader. And so we went from losing $14 billion to having record profits for about, I think it was about six years, quarter after quarter after quarter after quarter. So you can say that, oh, yeah, that's easy when you're in that. You have a lot of staff. We hear that excuse sometimes. Oh, you got a lot of staff. So you can just assign it to other people. Believe me, that guy is as busy as I was, you know, more so. But I made it seem like it's so heavy on me. I don't have time to go to lunch with somebody. I'm just going to grab my sandwich and go crank out emails at my computer. You know, I don't have time 
I don't have time to get together and talk about how I'm doing. I don't care. I got work to do. And it just, it, it proved all that wrong. And, and Rick, just to build on that beautiful story, Alan, here's a devout Catholic, seeing the world from a different lens. You know, we don't, we don't know his personal convictions. We know he's devout. He's saying, I'm going to be present to people. I'm going to make margin in my life, you know. To- and I didn't even know that, by the way. When he was leading, I just said, wow, this guy leads differently. <laughs> and it's noticeable. And that's the challenge for everybody, whether in church ministry or not. Lead that way. You're evangelizing. You're showing not only is it possible, this is how you treat people. You know, one of the one of the uh, one Ford behaviors at the time was, you know, have fun, but never at the expense of another. Mm, yeah. Amen. Love that. And this brings us to our mission challenge this week. The mission challenge is to think about the people in your life, the people entrusted to your care, family, friendships, neighbors, coworkers, the team you lead, the team you're a part of, those relationships entrusted to your care, and ask yourself, am I being too functional and transactional in these places? Am I really allowing the margin in meetings in my life to love them, to see them, to care for them, and to share myself with them? And the challenge is, how are you doing on these relationships? And, and how can you get back to being um, integrated in those friendships? So that's the mission challenge this week. So I'm, we want to pray that this, um, this truth about creating margin, about having time for people, having time for yourself, for God, that, you can, that, this, that this can become a deeper reality for you, wherever you're at in the spectrum, that you can get, you can get a, a deeper in all those relationships. Let's pray for this. In the, name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, we just ask you right now that you would send your Holy Spirit to fill everyone who's a part of this conversation we're having. Holy Spirit, we just ask you to fill them right now with a renewed mind and heart that they have permission from their Father in heaven to live an integrated life with margin for relationship. Holy Spirit, for anyone who's coming against the attacks of the enemy that says you can't do this, there's too much to do, it's too heavy, it's too hard, or any lies that might be coming up right now that people only want me to be transactional, that I'm transactional to them. Holy Spirit, for any of these lies right now, we ask you to cast them out. In Jesus' name, we just cast out all the attacks of the enemy, all his tactics and lies and strategies to pin us down. In Jesus' name, Satan be gone from us. We ask Holy Spirit in a particular way now that you will just fill us with the peace and especially the wisdom to see how we can develop relationships more deeply with each other so that we can be known and loved by our Father in heaven through one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nick. Well, that's it for episode 10 of The Mission, guys. Go and waste time with the people you love.